0: Let's open our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 2, starting at verse 17, page 1173 of your Pew Bibles. Page 1173, 1 Thessalonians, a fairly brief um, letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, <clears throat> five chapters to this church in the town. If you were to go there today, they would the locals would call it Thessaloniki. Um, we call it Thessalonica often that 's what it 's referred to in commentaries. Go to the anglicized version of the name of this city. It is the second largest city in Greece today, Thessalonica, and um, even in this day when Paul was writing this letter was a buzzing um, crossroads where uh, business was flourishing, where a religious op- um, options were plentiful, where there were many idols and um, temptations in the city of Thessalonica. And this is the third message now in the series where we're walking our way through the book of 1 Thessalonians and we'll continue in 2 Thessalonians when we're done with this one. And um, the thing that that hopefully has been impressed upon you in previous weeks is that this is a church that should be encouraged. Um, The church is really represented in some ways by that plant there. It's it's not the most impressive plant. It's a small plant, a young plant, but it's healthy. It, it's a plant that needs continued care, and uh, that is the church in Thessalonica that Paul is writing to. It's a healthy congregation. We'll find that to be the case, um, uh, taught very clearly in our passage uh, today. Uh, but the, the church is vulnerable. It's, it's like an infant uh, because the Apostle Paul uh, it's believed was only in Thessalonica for four weeks, and so um, the Apostle Paul was only there for a little while before he was pushed out of the city uh, because of persecution there. And so, um, imagine a a, a, pa- a church has a pastor for a month and then he leaves. That 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 pastor would be continually wondering what what's happened to these people, what's happened to their in their faith in their. Um, their spiritual well-being since he's departed. That's what Paul is interested to find the answers to those questions and, and we'll find the answers very pointedly in the passage tonight. First uh, Thessalonians 2.17 and we'll read through chapter 3.13. So, um, hear now the reading of God's word. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, We endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we went, we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in the faith. So here Paul is saying he and Silas are staying in Athens to minister there. They've sent Timothy to Thessalonica. Now Timothy has returned back with a report. That's what Paul is writing. So he's gone to establish and exhort you in the faith that no one be moved by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are destined for this meaning suffering. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, And has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. We find here a situation where the Apostle Paul is longing to see his brothers and sisters in the Thessalonian church face to face, and we've been in that scenario not long ago. All Christians could relate to what Paul is experiencing if we think back to how we were feeling on April 12, 2020. Do you remember April 12, 2020? That was Easter Sunday, a month into the COVID pandemic. Easter Sunday, this day where we wanted to be together. We wanted to worship God, to celebrate the resurrection, to gather together, to see one another's faces, face to face, to hear one another's voices lifted up in worship. That Easter Sunday is one that I will probably never forget because of the great longing that I felt to worship God with the church, to be together If your experience of that day was anything like mine, you longed to see the congregation instead of just watching things on a screen. Um, The modern-day equivalent of writing a letter, like what Paul was doing for the Thessalonican church. Why did we want to gather so much? We wanted to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus together. And we wanted to enjoy fellowship with our church family. As a pastor, Those were were difficult times, and not just because of the lack of social interaction that was happening during those opening weeks and months of the pandemic. Um, I was confident that the Lord would care for you all, certainly in a way that I never could as a pastor, but I also wondered about how this time apart would affect the faith of the members of our church. I was thinking often, how will this impact each family, each member, as we are living in isolation from one another, as we are dispersed. The personal connection with each of you that was missing was a burden for me as a pastor, one that I really felt, um, even kind of a burden that I that even felt during my sabbatical time as I missed the church very much during that time as well. But the bigger question during the pandemic was, how will isolation challenge people's faith formation and their spiritual lives? That's the the more significant question. What will be happening in people's souls and their spiritual progress as we are apart from one another? I was particularly concerned for how the pandemic would affect people who were new to the Christian faith, people who were just beginning a walk with Jesus, and all of a sudden this this pandemic occurs and we're all separated, and, and I've heard sad stories of people who were for example, doing well in drug treatment programs and were not allowed to go to those drug treatment programs and fell back into addiction and even sadly stories of some who died as a result of that isolation from people who were their support systems. And so that's how, that's one thing I was concerned about in the spiritual sense when the pandemic began and began and that's the Apostle Paul's concern for the Thessalonican church as well. As he has departed from them, he's wondering, how will this congregation with temptations, with burdens, with suffering, how will they fare when, um, when their faith is tested? He was anxiously awaiting Timothy's report. Would they continue in the Christian faith? Would they turn against Paul as well? Because that was uh, a common concern. Um, We heard about that from Pastor Zach's sermon last Sunday evening where the Apostle Paul's integrity was often being questioned. It was people saying, well, he was only at that church for a little while because maybe he could make more money somewhere else and so he would just go where the money was. So the accusation of the Apostle Paul often was that he was a bit of a charlatan one who would just go where he could Make some money. And so Paul is wondering not only how the congregation is doing, but how do they view Paul and the gospel that he brought them? He knew that they would not only be separated by a long distance, but that the Thessalonians would be suffering for following Christ. And so he is anxiously awaiting that report, which he receives and uh, writes back to them about in verses 5 through 8 of our passage. We'll consider this as the main portion of the message this evening. Paul said, "...for this reason I could bear it no longer." means he, he's just waiting anxiously to know what's happening in Thessalonica. "...I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers..." In all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. So we learn here that both of Paul's concerns were alleviated by Timothy's report. The church in Thessalonica is standing fast in the Lord. And the church in Thessalonica remembers Paul, Silas, and Timothy kindly and is praying for them. Some people might regard that second worry, the, the, uh, he, the interest in how they feel about him, to be a, a bit of a, maybe a, a vain concern. Somebody could read that and think, Paul's kind of insecure to be so worried about what they think of him. But this isn't born out of insecurity. This is born out of a concern for them in holding to the gospel that he brought them. He knew that if they believe lies about the Apostle Paul's integrity, that they would also fall away from the gospel that he brought them. And so, um, this is often happens in our, our culture, in our world today, where somebody's integrity is damaged and people immediately wonder, sometimes for good reason, it was their message pure while you were listening to the, the teaching of some someone who has had a fall from grace? In some cases, the message could be beneficial. In other cases, the message was tainted by a lack of integrity from the minister himself. And so the Apostle Paul isn't just insecurely wondering if they liked him. That's not really the concern here. But are they going to hold to the gospel that he brought them? How deflating would it have been for Paul and his friends if the Thessalonians reject the message of salvation through Jesus? Paul tells them in this letter how important it is to him. In in verse 8, he said, For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Earlier he wrote to the church, You are our glory and our joy. This doesn't mean that Paul's own faith is dependent on the faith of the Thessalonian church, but it does mean that he will be greatly encouraged in his own ministry if some seeds that he planted, God has caused to grow. That is the joy of a good minister, that God would work through the ministry, through the word, through the gospel in churches. The joy of a good minister of Christ is not the admiration of his name or the size of the ministry. The joy of a good minister, like the Apostle Paul, is the spiritual well-being of the people that he has served. So this is Paul's joy, his glory. He loves that they're doing well, not for his name's sake, but for their own sake as they're holding on to the gospel of Christ. So the title of the sermon describes the Thessalonian congregation. It was a church Faithful to Jesus, believing the gospel, and fond of Paul and his fellow missionaries, despite their distance, despite the rumors that they had heard about him, the church still had its faults, and so we heard a, a little hint of that in the passage we read, where Paul said he desires to to supply what is lacking in their faith, and so he has more to teach them. He wants to continue um, shepherding them and. And helping them grow in faith, but they're getting the basics right, and this is wonderful. I believe we are too. Here at Ammon Valley, whenever I I meet someone, and yeah, I'm a pastor, so they say, "How is your church?" Family members would ask this. People at uh, Denominational meetings ask this, people at our classes, gatherings, regional gatherings ask this, how are things going at Ammon Valley? One of the questions that I often will have attached to that is, how did things go during the pandemic? How did things go when the diaspora occurred? Everyone was dispersed for a little while. People often attach some questions to that. Did you get lots of angry emails? Did the budget fall apart? Did half the church leave and never come back? And I'll always say, the Lord has been really good to our church. The Lord has been so good to Ammon Valley. The Lord has been so good to me during the past three and a half years when that COVID pandemic began in March of 2020. In the same way that the Thessalonian church wasn't kept alive by the Apostle Paul's ingenuity or his personality. Ammon Valley has survived a challenging season of ministry, and it isn't because we're such an exceptional congregation. It's not because our council made every decision perfectly. It was God's gracious will to preserve our church. Thanks be to God. One reason that I'm convinced of of this being God's will for us is just how excited people remain to gather together even still. Paul's longing to be with the Thessalonians was rooted in love for them. He wanted to, to go express love to God by caring for them. He wanted to help them know about Jesus. And I've seen that desire here at our church. It's The desire to gather is not a sentimental or legalistic desire, but rather... I believe and I have seen again and again that the desire to be together is a hunger for the presence of God that we enjoy in worship and a desire for mutual encouragement. That there's love. Paul wrote several times about how there's they have love for one another and for Paul. And that is evident here in our, our church. And so I will echo Paul's words verbatim. For now I live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can I return to God for you? For all the joy that I feel for your sake before our God. Notice Paul's evaluation of the Thessalonian church. It was not, how big is the church? That's something that I sometimes wonder about. Maybe I shouldn't wonder all that much about that when I'm reading about Thessalonian church or Corinthian church or the Ephesian church. You know, We, we want to know how many people were in that church. But what was Paul's measurement for the goodness of that church? Are they standing fast in the faith? Are they standing fast in the faith? Unfortunately, we can be distracted by other metrics that measure the value or the quality of, of a church, but Paul wanted to know about the spiritual health of these people. That's what matters. Paul's letters, including this one of 1 Thessalonians, offer us a very different perspective on determining the health of a church than what our world wants to give us. The world obsesses about uh, budgets and the size of the church and how beautiful the building is, and all of those things have their place. It's good to pay attention to each, but ultimately, the health of a church is determined. Are we standing fast in the faith? Faith in Jesus. Is the gospel being proclaimed? Are people believing the gospel? Are the sacraments being enjoyed in the church? Is there accountability in a congregation where real accountability is occurring, where church discipline could even occur, where we refine one another so that we become more and more like Jesus individually and even as a congregation. Paul has different measurements than our world would give us to each of the letter, to each of the congregations that he wrote to. To the Roman church, he wanted to know if, if they know the righteousness that is theirs by faith in Jesus. He wanted to know about the Roman church. Are they overcoming evil with good? That's what matters to Paul. He wants to know about this Roman church if their doctrine was more patterned after the world. Was it conformed to the patterns of this world? Or are they being renewed by the Spirit in their own minds? That's what Paul cares about for the Roman church. For the Corinthians, Paul exhorted them to believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Is the bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus on the forefront of your minds and in the, at the center of the preaching of this church? Is there unity in that church? That's what Paul wanted to know about. He wanted to know, are they taking sexual sin seriously in the Corinthian church? Because it was such a threat in this town of Corinth, and Paul wrote very frankly about that, those matters to the congregation there. To the Galatian church, he's imploring them, do not reject the gospel in favor of a false teaching concerning circumcision and becoming Jewish before one could become Christian in a ceremonial sense. He says, hold on to the gospel that I shared with you. That's what matters to Paul in the Galatian church, not so much how many people are there on a given Sunday. And now to the Thessalonian church, he was overjoyed to hear that they were passing the test. They believe in Christ. They proclaim Christ. They're standing firm in the faith. We'll conclude with Paul's blessing for the Thessalonian church thinking about how this might apply to us today. He concluded in The passage, the part of the passage that we have read, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So we can quickly look at the three verbs in that blessing. May God direct our way to you direct our way to you. So Paul has received this good report, and he doesn't just say, okay, uh, case closed over in Thessalonica, let's move on to the next thing. He says, I still want to go to help you. He's still praying that the Lord would direct his way towards the Thessalonians. The good report has further inspired a longing for the Apostle Paul to see the Thessalonians. I hope that this would be the same case for us, that that our weathering the storm of the pandemic would further inspire us to gather together regularly as a congregation, not so much that we could say, "Wow, that was kind of a wild ride for the last two or so years, and let 's just sort of thanks thanks be to god let 's now move in our different directions no the the, the, god, the work of God preserving our church should make us desire more to gather as a church, to be together. Um, to encourage one another and mutual encouragement towards following Jesus. The next verb, that they would increase and abound in love for one another and for all. So if these people are standing firm in the faith, they'll also abound in love for one another and for all. Do you pray that God would enable you to abound in love for other people? You know, we we could focus on all sorts of uh, prayer requests, sort of items in our prayer list. I hope that we could add this one. Oh Lord, help me today to increase and abound in love for the people that I work with, people that I serve, people in my family, people in the church, people I'll see at the grocery store. That we would abound in love. A real church, a true church is full of love abounding in love, not just the true teaching of the gospel, but also a place where you would walk in and say, these people abound in love, love to be together, encourage one another. Do we pray that our church would abound in love for one another and for all? I share Paul's sentiment that it gives me joy as a pastor when I learn about how people are loving one another, writing cards, Driving people, you know, elderly people to the drugstore to pick up medications. Um, just visiting with each other. Inviting new members into your homes. This is happening and we always have room for growth, don't we? Thirdly and finally, that God would establish your hearts blameless in holiness. Do you believe that God could do that? Establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God the Father. God can do that through Christ. Can establish your heart blameless in holiness. That is an amazing description of our soul, isn't it? That, that God, in His power, through Christ, through the Spirit, could establish us as blameless because we're our souls washed by the blood of Christ so that's Paul's uh, prayer for the Thessalonian church and he wants to reunite with them so that he can spur them on in this direction. The reunion that Paul desires to have with the Thessalonian church is just a taste of the reunion that the church will have with Christ when he returns. May the good report that Timothy gave of Paul be true of us, of our church, as we also wait to see Jesus. Amen?